yes we are back uh good day everyone good day i want to thank you all once again for tuning into another episode of this podcast where we discuss various aspects of navigating through life's beautiful journey well today is monday june 3rd which basically means we are in week 23 guys we're in week 23 of 2019 again week 23 of 2019 now at this time what i'd like to do is say thank you thank you to all the listeners who have been hanging with me since my very first episode and tuning in each week i truly appreciate your support i hope y'all had a great weekend and ready to kick off the second part of 2019 quick question quick question before we get started quick question for the listeners how many of us are still going strong with our new year's resolutions out there how many of us are still going strong how many of us made it to this point we're still sticking with our goals now for those of us who have been going steady and strong up until this point i want to say congratulations to you guys i want you to keep up the great work that you're doing because we're halfway there all right So again, congratulations to you, and I want you to keep up the great work that you've been doing, that discipline up until this point, because we're halfway through the new year. And for those of us who've just paused or just outright just given in to our unmanageable discipline at this time, I want to go ahead and encourage you to go ahead and hit that restart button starting now. Today, I want you to hit the restart button for the second half of going into 2019 in order to finish up strong. Now, in order to do this, guys, what I highly recommend that you do is start setting yourself some SMART goals. So what do we mean when we say SMART goals? For the most part, when you hit this reset button, what I want you to do is make sure that your goals are specific, that your goal is measurable. It's a specific goal, something very specific and detailed, something that's measurable, that you can measure yourself along the way that it's attainable it must be attainable something that you can complete in a specific amount of time and it must be realistic so again we're talking about setting some smart goals it must be specific it should be something that's measurable that you can go back and check your progress on a daily basis it should be attainable something that you're able to attain so what do i mean by attainable let's just say you're uh five feet two inches tall And your goal is to dunk on a regulated basketball rim. It's probably not going to happen. That's not an attainable goal. It's not an attainable goal. So again, you want to make sure that your goals are specific, measurable, attainable. Not only are they attainable, if we utilize that example of being five feet and wanting to dunk on a regulation basketball goal, that's not realistic. So again, our goal should be specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. Because again, reason why I threw the timely in there to add it to the SMART goal is because we're giving ourselves a year. We're giving ourselves a year. And if you're starting over, you're just picking up where you left off at. So we're good. Six months left to complete the goal or to achieve the goal, so to speak, in order to see this through to the end. So again, you want to set yourself a SMART goal. Use the acronym SMART, where it's specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. That way it sets a tone where you can be sure that you see your goal through to the end. Now, what that does, guys, that brings me to today's fun fact. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I typically clean my phone as well as my my tablet, my iPad about every three to four months or so when it comes to apps. 
Now, prior to me doing this all the time, my phone and the apps, I'm sorry, and the apps on the phone as well as through the iPad, it would just be cluttered and I would often run out of space, right? So what I started doing is started deleting some of those apps, especially if it was some apps that my kids had downloaded or we're just not ever using those apps. I'll make sure that I go ahead and clean it up and delete those apps in order to have more space on the phone, right? Now, however, what I did is I found a very useful app right around, I want to say it was like the middle of December, middle of December 2018, last year when I was looking for a time management app. When I came across a tool, it's located in an app store and it's called Way of Life. Again, it's called Way of Life. That's the name of the app. It's called Way of Life. So what it is, it's an app that allows you to track your goals as well. And it provides charts and details with regards to how you're doing. And you can put up to three goals in the Way of Life app at a time. And it's totally free. You don't have to pay anything for this app. And again, you can go in and download this app at the App Store. It's called Way of Life. And it allows you to track your goals in real time. And you can actually add three goals to this. It doesn't cost anything. But if you try to add more goals to it, they'll probably charge you for that. But again, initially, you can add three specific goals to it and you can track them for as long as you like in order to see how much you're progressing. And it also gives you reminders and alerts each and every day to make sure that you actually updating the app and putting in your progress. So whenever you get a chance, guys, go over to the app store and download it for free. Again, you can put up to three goals in there for free and track them. When you try to add more like those unlimited tracking goals, they're going to charge you an upgrade in order to access that. Again, it's in the App Store, and it's titled Way of Life. It's titled Way of Life, and it'll assist you with keeping track of your goals, okay? So when you guys get a chance, go ahead and check that out. Uh, now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's go ahead and jump into today's podcast episode. And this one is titled, guys, uh, Dealing with Misplaced Hate and Anger. Again, Dealing with Misplaced Hate hate and anger dealing with misplaced hate and anger well the reason why this come about because if you look around at life and what we're dealing with and where we're at just in general a lot of us are going through things in life a lot of people are struggling to understand their purpose in order to navigate through the everyday activities of their life and a lot of times this can encompass us and bring about a lot of hate a lot of anger along the way. Now, we're going to get into the root cause of a lot of our hate and a lot of our anger, and then we'll try to give you some tangible items, so to speak, and ideas and suggestions for managing and dealing with uh, misplaced hate and anger. So before we kick this off, let's just think about this on a much deeper level. When we talk about anger, right? Now, for the most part, anger can be the result of, you know, one's pride being hurt, so to speak. Uh, it could be of uh, some unreasonable expectations for others, or you just have like some repeated type of uh, hostile situations or fantasies of wanting to get things over or out of the way, so to speak, resulting in more angry situations. Besides getting out of our way, we sometimes we can unconsciously use anger to blame others for our own shortcomings. Now, this is something that you got to be mindful of. Because this happens quite often when we unconsciously use anger to blame others for our own shortcomings. And we can also try to use that to justify oppressing other people. We see that so much in our society that it's considered to be a normal thing when it is in fact not normal. Also, we can use anger to boost our own sagging ego, so to speak. And we can use anger to conceal our feelings, our real true feelings towards others as well. And, and to handle other emotions, like, just think about it like this, as like when one person, or when we become aggressive, it's more because we're afraid, so to speak, right? When you think about it on that level. But any situation that frustrates us, 
especially when we think someone else is to blame for our loss, that's usually a potential trigger for anger and or aggression resulting in a lot of hate. So you got to think about this. So if you think about something, when we're talking about anger, we're talking about hate, this can be something that's physical and verbally that you're doing to someone that's cruel. It could be fits of rage. Let's say you slap someone, uh, you shove someone. Now, I want you to think about children this as well, because we're going to touch deeply into children when it comes to dealing with uh, misplaced hate and anger. All right. Uh, kicking, hitting or threatening someone with a knife or a gun. Those are things that results in anger. Now, what is aggression? So aggression is when we're overly critical, when we're looking to find faults in others, we're calling other people names. We're accusing other peoples of having immoral or despicable traits or motives towards us. Someone's always nagging, whining, a bunch of sarcasm. Remember, be mindful, guys. I'm going to tell you this. Be very mindful of people when they're overly sarcastic. Uh, prejudice, uh, flashes in our tempers that come and go. Now, you think about something that's hurtful, right? That's something when you're malicious gossiping about others or you're stealing something for someone or, or you're just a troublemaker. Then there's uh, just being rebellious where you have antisocial behavior. You're just openly defiant or you're just refusing to talk or speak or deal with anyone. So here's some signs, right? Now, when you think about this, how do you know when you're angry? If you are distrustful of other people, you're always skeptical. Uh, you're a, a very argumentative. Anything irritates you. You're always wanting to maybe not directly, but indirectly challenge other people or authority. Or when I say authority, I, I, this could be in the work environment. Or if you're a young teenager or a kid listening to this, this could be with your parents, so to speak. If you're resentful, uh, if you're jealous, if you're envious of others, if you're disruptive all the time, you're uncooperative in certain situations, certain situations, uh, you're uh, using distracting actions all the time. You do not forgive. You're very unforgiving. You're unsympathetic in your attitude. Uh, always pouting somebody who's very passively resistant. You're always interfering with other people's progress. Think about that. You're always interfering with other people's progress. So what do I mean by that? You're offering unsolicited opinions, unsolicited advice. You're given to sarcasm. You have very cynical humor, always teasing other people. You're very judgmental. You have this type of superior or a holier than thou type of attitude that's when you know that a person has a lot of anger has a lot of hate within them how do you deal with your stress right how do you deal with those things now when we're talking about the challenge of it and recognizing it right let's go ahead and have a conversation about how do you deal with stress how do you deal with stress think about that on a much deeper level in this moment when you're stressed out and you're going through something and you're trying to figure it out how do you deal with that how do you deal with your stress? How do you deal with disappointments? How do you deal with that? What's your attitude towards disappointment, towards yourself when you're disappointed? Remember, guys, when you think about frustration, that determines the essence of your personality. How you deal with stress, how do you deal with disappointments and frustration as well, that determines the essence of your personality. And the personality is what other people see towards you and in you. And remember that anger does more harm than any other human emotion. If you're not aware of that, again, anger does more harm than any other human emotion that we feel or experience on a daily basis. So how do we prevent or control our own anger? I want you to think about this. How right now in this moment, if someone asks you, hey, 
if you're going through some, let's say, let's say your parent and your child, they're, they're unaware or they're learning and they're growing and ask, so, Hey mom, how, how do you deal with your anger or how do you prevent or control anger when you're mad? How would you respond to that? I want you to answer that in your own head. How do you prevent or control your own anger in this moment? Or better yet, here's something else I'll throw in there. How do you deal with someone else when they're aggressive towards you? How do you deal with that? How do you relate to that? How do you respond to that? Because remember, there's a huge difference between anger and frustration. And remember, typically, frustration means like that's just when we're not getting what we want from a situation or from a person. But one you got to also remember is this, is that frustration can oftentimes and do lead to anger. And we know that anger is related to what? Violence, uh, crime, uh, spouse abuse, child abuse. Uh, when we're angry, we're quick to get a divorce. Uh, we have poor working conditions. It affects our health. Uh, we get headaches. And for us older folks that deal with hypertension, those things can lead to heart attacks. And overall, you have a very bad emotional disturbance that's always with you. So that's something that you want to think very deeply about with regards to understanding your anger and how we deal with frustration and hate. Now, I'm going to share a story with you guys. And this is some research that I did with regards to understanding and dealing with hatred and dealing with anger. Now, just how widespread is this on a deeper level to us as a society? Well, Psychology Today, they had an article from 1993, and they asked that if you could secretly push a button and thereby eliminate any person with no repercussions to yourself, would you push that button? It's amazingly that 69% of all respondents said yes. Now, 69% of those respondents from a male perspective said yes. 56% of the women said yes as well. Now, when it came to the men, when they broke down the statistics of it, men would most often want to kill the U.S. president or some public figure. Women, on the other hand, preferred that they would kill their bosses, ex-husbands or ex-boyfriends and or former partners of current lovers. That's crazy, but that was the truth with regards to these statistics. So I do apologize for the laughter, but you have to find humor in this in order to not take this so serious. So you don't eventually become so much of an angry person. Now, they also did another survey with college students, which indicated that 15% of college students agreed. This is, this is, listen to this guys. 15% agreed that if we could wipe out the Soviet Union, Russia, and be sure they would not be able to retaliate, they actually feel that this is something that we should do. Now, mind you that this action could more than likely result in over 100 million deaths or so. It didn't matter to the respondents because they seem to realize the grade of loss. They figure like 26% said the United States should be willing to accept the loss of 25 to 50 million casualties in order to engage in a nuclear war. Now, guys, I don't know about you, but as I'm reading through this and I'm paying attention to where we're at today with regards to society, that was alarming in which I felt the need and compelled to express my views and my thoughts with regards to understanding and dealing with misplaced hate and anger if we're willing to have individuals in our society who are okay with taking someone's life and saying, hey, it's just a part of war or they're just collateral damage along the way. Again, that's a lot of anger. That's a lot of hate, which is not natural for the human to experience as a human, I'm sorry, as a human being for us to experience such thoughts or such emotions on a daily basis. Now, if we take into account the amount of negativity that we're fed throughout media, 
throughout our communities and even within our homes. Now, you got to think about this. Let's talk about children, right? It should be noted that being exposed to violence in our childhood, again, whether it be in our home, in our community, as well as within the media, it's usually and typically associated with children being violent as they grow into their adulthood. This is something that we must keep in mind. Now, you got to ask yourself, is there something that we could do about this? Is there anything that one could do about something like this? Is there anything at all that we'll be able to do about this? Of course, there's always something that you can do, right? If you take the time to reflect on who you are as a human and the people around you and what that actually means and represents to you as a human and your own thoughts, your own feelings and your emotions and how we grow along the way gives you a much deeper perspective on how you actually interact with individuals on a daily basis, which allows us to have more empathy for one another. But these are things that we don't even put into perspective, perhaps because we believe that, you know, aggression is, is just human nature, so to speak, or, or because we're angry and thus indifferent. That to kids brings about a lot of stress. This is something that you got to really think about, especially if it's a kid from another race, so to speak, or you're coming from a different economic or ethnic group. Also, our society is far more insistent on punishing rather than preventing any type of adolescent when it comes to violent crimes or misbehavior. That's another reflection of our own anger. So we actually feed it. Now, you got to think about this. Here's some more statistics. Now, as the crime rate soars in the U.S. alone and prisons, as we know, they're very much overflowing and there's always more room as they see fit to add more prisons as opposed to more schools. You think about how infidelity and spouse abuse is very high right now. Statistics shows that one in five women throughout their life have been sexually abused or raped. Now, we go back to the 90s, and there was one particular point in time where, I think it was, I want to say 1990 or 1991, where they showed over 700,000 women have been sexually assaulted, right? And 30%, 30% were younger than 11 years old. Now think about that on a much deeper level and what that says about us as a society. Our murder rate alone in the United States is several times higher than most other countries. Are we prejudiced here in America? Yes, we are. We distrust and also we dislike others. Even within our own families, which is supposed to be our refuge, that's supposed to be our safe place, our source of love. However, there's much more violence from there, from our families, when you think about it on a much deeper level, as well as statistics and numbers show. And here's something that you guys also should be aware of. Literally, 25% of all murders are committed by teenagers. I'll say that one more time. 25% of all murders are committed by teenagers. So think about this. Where we're at, what this looks like, and what this says for us as a society as a whole. It's now we're coming to the forefront within the last couple of years of where mental health is really being taken serious about being able to go out and seeking professional help when we're dealing with unresolved, misplaced hate and anger and how we're able to heal ourselves, right? So let's just say you're not able to heal yourself on your own. Remember, there's never an issue with going out and seeking professional help and speaking with a professional on getting some assistance with healing yourself. I'll use myself for an example. I'll share my personal journey with you guys along the way of growing into the human and the person that I am today. I remember growing up in an environment that was extremely, extremely abusive physically as well as verbally. And this came from my primary caregivers, from the environment that I was in, be it my mother, not so much as my father, but just growing up like that in a very abusive environment. 
And I remember once I reached my teenage years and not having an understanding of life and all the things that I had experienced up, in it to, up until that particular time in my life, I was very angry. I was very hateful towards myself as well as others. I had this attitude in which there was nothing that anyone can tell me because I had experienced so much hate and so much anger along the way from the abuse being physically and verbally that I no longer care for myself, let alone anyone else. So in my mind, I already knew that eventually because of the environment that I lived in and, and the way that I was, that I eventually probably lose my life or end up spending the rest of my life in prison due to the amount of anger, due to the amount of hatred that I had for myself as well as others from what was given to me. It wasn't until I was able to come outside of myself and kind of see exactly what it is in the road that I was hand, I'm sorry, heading down that allowed me to think outside of the box where I was at and see the environment for what it was and remove myself from that environment, from those people, from those places and those things, which allowed me to eventually grow, which gave me more of an understanding of who I was and how the world actually operated. I remember saying this on another podcast in which when you come from an environment like that, that's extremely abusive, that's whether it be verbally or physically, and you develop a strong sense of anger and a strong sense of hate that you may or may not be aware of. When you come outside of that environment, you must be mindful that you cannot subject the rest of the world to your way of thinking and being because that's just that environment that you're in. That's how they operate in that environment, but the rest of the world doesn't operate like that. And for me, that was an aha moment. Once I was able to remove myself from the environment, then I was on the outside looking into the environment, I seen just how dysfunctional it was. And once I saw that, I wanted to really heal myself from it. I really wanted to grow and be a better person. One of the things that I was looking for along the way of my journey of changing, and someone once asked me a question, what's, what was something, it, it was stated something along the lines of, what is something that someone could say to you or tell you that would make you feel as though you're growing? And one of the things that I came up with was simple, that you've changed. If someone was to tell me that, like, yo, man, you really changed. To me, that was a sign that I was growing, that I wasn't the same person that I was. So how do you know and how can you measure yourself in growing when there's nothing tangible to hold on to? Remember, this is anger. This is hatred. This is a lot of things that's usually verbal or physical, right? So it's nothing that you can really measure yourself from outside of this, meaning that you're no, you're no longer responding to people, places, and things and situations the way that you did in the past. So, for example, let's just say that at one particular point in time, you were quick to respond when someone said something to you or about you, and you were quick to wanting to defend yourself or become aggressive, curse someone out, or maybe punch someone in the face for that fact for saying something to you. And then you kind of sit back, you realize that that's not the way the world operates, and you want to grow out of that space. And then let's just say you get about six months into this new being of yourself, and someone approaches you with that same situation that same scenario but you don't respond the same way you either walk away or a you use your higher self or you try to talk your way out of that situation and talk your way out of that person as well and you try to talk them out of it as well for being that particular way that's how you know that you're growing that's how you can measure yourself in terms of growth that's how you know that you're actually changing and that's how you can measure yourself along the way Remember, there are many, many frustrations that we experience on a daily basis, and one could easily become chronically irritated on a daily basis. That's only if you're not aware, you're not paying attention to what's going on and to who you are along the way. Perhaps more important than the variety of things that anger us is the intensity of our anger, number one, 
and then the degree to how we control or the degree that we have control over our anger for the most part that's how close we are to losing control when you think about it now i remember having uh teaching one of my student development courses and there were about two-thirds of the students in my class at that particular time said that they felt the need to gain more control over their anger which was very alarming to me so to speak to know that so many to, to see that so many young people were so angry about life in general now i'm gonna ask you guys a question out there how much of a temper do you actually have now you can ask yourself these questions as well do you have a quick or hot temper do you suppress or hide your anger are you very passive aggressive do you play the victim all the time uh, do you get irritated when someone gets in your way or do you get irritated if someone fails to give you credit for your work so to speak uh, do you get irritated if someone tries to criticize your looks or opinions of your work or what you do for work do you get irritated if uh, someone tries to take advantage of you do you get angry at yourself when you make a foolish mistake so to speak or do you get angry at yourself if you do poorly in front of others? Let's just say you make a mistake or I'm, I'm using the quotation, the two fingers, or you get embarrassed, so to speak. Do you get angry at that? Do you get angry when you put off important things? You notice I said you, the individual. Do you get angry at yourself if you put off important things? Uh, do you get angry or if something goes against your morals or your better judgment? Do you get angry about those things, right? You got to also take into mind when we talk about anger, when we talk about misplaced hate, we got to talk about alcohol and drug use and how that actually feeds that and how that actually grows that. Do you get more angry or mellow when you're high, so to speak? Do Because you remember this, research shows that alcohol and drugs are related to aggression. We know that, right? If you're dealing with a lot of trauma, especially trauma that's unresolved, and you're talking about excessive drinking and drugging, got to think this guys because remember drinking decreases your judgment and it increases the amount of impulsive and it increases our impulsiveness not the amount but it does increase us to be more impulsive when we drink so you, you, i'm pretty sure if i asked you all those questions or you had a chance to ask yourself those questions you get a pretty picture of your temper and how you actually respond to people places and things with regards to life and situations now when we talk about getting rid of misplaced hate and anger it's not an easy task. It's not something that you're going to do overnight. But again, if you can check your opinion of yourself against the opinion of you held by close relatives who you respect as well as true friends, it'll pretty much give you a clear picture of where you're at if you do personally feel that you have a lot of misplaced hate and anger that you need to tackle and deal with along the way. Again, guys, Remember this, I know I say this every time and I, this is a model for me, is that in order to grow, we must let people and things go. In order to grow, we must let people and things go. In order to grow, we must let people and things go. So that means letting go of the past, letting go of the hurt and the pain of things that people have done to you, things that you felt that you were wronged in that particular situation a lot of times guys that's a part of the process that's a part of us getting to where we need to be if you're paying attention to your life if you're paying attention to your everyday experiences and when we do encounter things that are frustrating to us 
we can look at it in two ways. It's trying to teach us something to help us grow, or we can look at it in a negative aspect, be pessimistic about it, and have the glass half empty about it. And the only thing that will do is harbor and build anger and hatred. Again, guys, this is life. This is the journey that we're on. We're growing. We're going through the motions in order to try to be the best version of ourselves. So along the way, people are going to poke you. You're going to experience some situations that are going to be uncomfortable. When things are uncomfortable, that's the universe putting you in a position to force you outside of your box in order to help you grow. In order to grow, you must let people and things go. And the thing about growing is it may not come in a way that's most obvious. It may come in the form of a divorce. It may come in the form of a failed grade. It may come in the form of a lost job. It may come in the force of a betrayed friendship. Again, this is a part of the process. These are the things that we take along the way in order to help us navigate and grow through life. I'll use this final example and I'm going to end the podcast on this. Think about this when we talk about growing, guys. I'm talking about growth, right? Each and every last one of us as human beings, we started off as a cell in our mother's stomach, right? And from that point, we developed a heart, a lung, a spine, and our limbs, And after that, we were birthed into this world, this universe, so to speak, right? And from that point, we learned to crawl. We learned to walk, then we learned to run. We're continuously growing physically. Guys, are you not growing physically every day? Eventually, you'll grow into an old woman. You'll grow into a wrinkly old man. So why wouldn't you think that your mind stops growing? Why wouldn't you think that your spirit stops growing? Guys, it's a continuum. This is a continuum. Life is a continuum. It's a progression. We're always growing. Every waking moment, we're growing. Every single waking moment, we're growing. Every thought, every decision that you're making is growing you into the future, be it good or bad. Your thoughts and your actions of the past has placed you in this present moment. Your thoughts and your actions in this present moment will determine where you'll be in the future. Again, your thoughts and your actions of the past has placed you in your present moment in your life, be it good or bad. Your thoughts and your actions in the past has placed you in the present moment and circumstances in your life, be it good or bad. And your thoughts and your actions in this present moment will determine where you'll be in the future. So if you're on bullshit right now, your future will be full of bullshit. If you're on positive, you're motivating and you're optimistic about the future, your future will be bright and filled with positive things. All right? So I'm going to end this episode on that note. I hope that you guys were entertained and somewhat enlightened, and I'll be sure to catch you guys on the next one. Again, as always, if you ever have any questions, any issues or concerns, you can always shoot me an email, and I'll be more than happy to assist you. And be on the lookout for my website. I'll give you guys my website going live in the month of August. So I'm just in the building phase right now. I got some great content for you. Some great useful information that'll be free that you can download as well. All right. So I'll catch you guys on the next episode and enjoy your week, guys. Keep going strong. Have a lot of energy, a lot of positive energy. Everything's going to be okay. All right. Catch you guys on the next one.